Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Um, I'm just so grateful to, to be here with you guys and, um, and be able to to just speak the word. And so God just put this in my heart. Actually, it was a conversation I was having with Candace. Did she go to the bathroom or something? Um, I had a, a conversation I had with her. She was right there five seconds ago. But um, we were talking a couple weeks ago just about confidence and who we are. And just the Lord deposited this um, verse to me in my heart. And I was like, I've never seen it that way. And so I just began to search, search the scriptures and it just came alive to me. So I love it when that happens, when God just reveals his word to us and it becomes like life and alive. And then it's substance to our very being. And so, um, I hope that it is encouraging to you this morning. I want to start by reading, um, in Matthew, about the centurion and um, when he encountered Jesus. And it says, I'm going to start in verse 5, and it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, uh, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one to come and he comes and I say to my servant do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone I just lost my place in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east to the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. And then I want to read this other portion of scripture in James chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Can you pray with me really quick? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your people. I thank you for the honor that it is to serve them, the honor that it is to um, just be a part of this beautiful community of saints. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for what you're going to continue to do in this church and in our city and in our region and in our lives individually. God, I give this time to you, and I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that our hearts would be open to hear your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I feel like this is such a, um, 
a beautiful example in Centurion of knowing who he is, right? He's standing so firm, and he says things like, he's like, I understand authority. I say, I have people underneath me, and I tell them, hey, go do this, and they do it. And in that same way, I understand, this is me paraphrasing the centurion, Jesus, that if I ask you and you say something, it will happen. Jesus, if you say you're going to heal this person, you will heal them. And Jesus is astounded by the faith, the unwavering faith of the centurion. And then this scripture I went to in James, it talks about being double-minded and not understanding who we are and whose we are and who Jesus is. And it says we're unstable in all our ways, tossed like the sea to and fro. And I want to create this um, paradox of what I believe the double-mindedness is talking about in this portion of scripture. I really feel like if you look deep, you can see double-mindedness is is not just doubting, but double-mindedness is not believing who you are and not trusting who Jesus is. Um, I want to talk, the first thing I want to talk about is we're not promised that everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. Um, Now that I live in Rochester, I really, really understand that. My husband's out of town, so the first thing my kids want to do is go shopping, which is awesome because that's what I want to do too. Um, so yesterday we all get dressed, and and um, and I have to take some time, and I'm like, well, I have to, you know, take some time and spend some time with the Lord. So a few hours go by, and I'm I was in our office and just praying and studying, and and then Sarah calls and she's like, all right, are we ready to go? And I was like, yeah, just come home first. And I'm fully dressed, ready to leave the house in my covers in my bed, like not wanting to get out of bed. I don't know. Does that happen to anybody? Maybe it's because we haven't really cranked our heat the way we should. But yesterday was just one of those days. I'm just like, I don't even want to take the covers off. I just want to stay in my bed. I have a really comfy bed, too. So um, so I was like finally peeling myself out of the bed. But how do you know, like, we're not promised sunshine every day. I think sometimes when we walk through our Christianity thinking that we are, we get really, really um, just dumbfounded at times, almost side, like blindsided by life. But how do you know life happens? Things happen. And, um, and we're living in, a, in this just crazy season. I don't know about you, but do you know that we're probably going to talk about 2020 for the rest of our natural lives and probably for generations to come? And we're living through it? You know, everywhere you hear, it's, everything's about COVID and politics and drama and chaos. And you're just like man, what is this going to look like? And so for me, I'm having to just trust Jesus because I'm raising children right now. Having to raise them with an understanding of, okay, guys, you can't let everything that's happening affect who you are, how you see yourself, how you see God, and walking through these things. How many know it feels sometimes like you're bombarded with life? Anybody ever feel that way? Just bombarded with stuff. But we're not promised to just be tiptoeing through the roses all the time. We're promised that God's with us no matter what it looks like. 
That's the promise. Like this, the song that um, Sarah led us this morning, it was like, in the mountains and mountaintops and in the valleys. You're with us. He can't take beauty. He can't take beauty from ashes if there's no ashes. He can't take brokenness and make it beautiful if there's nothing to be, if there's nothing broken. And sometimes we attribute those things to God or the devil or, you know, we, um, I, Zach always says this, like, you know, you get a hangnail or a flat or a flat tire and you're wondering what devil behind the rock is trying to get you. And it's like, no, you probably just should have changed your tire, tires and clipped your nails. Like, sometimes it's just stuff, right? And we attribute it like, God, the devil's after me. And it's like, God's like, no, he's actually not just take care of stuff. You know, so we, we attribute so much to, to outside of us. But how many know our promise is that we can endure in all things? The promise, and this is the last time I was uh, able to speak to you. This is, I really talked about this a lot. So if you wanted to listen to it again, but our promise is that he has given us the ability to overcome every circumstance. He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. That's the promise. The promise is not you're going to tiptoe through the roses for your entire life. The promise is I've given you everything you need to endure all things, to get through all things, to be on the other side of all things. And I believe the posture of our heart, no matter our circumstance, should be gratitude. You know, what a great week to talk about gratitude as Thanksgiving comes, and some of us might be preparing. I was talking to somebody first service and talking about how my, my Christmas tree's already up. Yes, it is. No judgment. My friend, um, my very good friend, you guys met her, Tony Robinson. She was here a few weeks ago. She is all about not skipping Thanksgiving and not, so trees do not go up till after Thanksgiving. Um, so I compromise. I just don't take any Thanksgiving decorations down. No harvest decorations have come down. Just the tree goes up. <laughs> and then on Friday, all the harvest stuff comes down, and Christmas will finish in my house. And it'll be like a winter wonderland, because I love Christmas so much. But what a great week to talk about gratitude. And I want to tell you this. Gratitude positions us for everything that God has. Gratitude is the posture of our heart. When we want to receive more, we posture our heart in a place of gratitude for what we have. I think about it in this aspect. You know, you come to Thanksgiving dinner, and you have this beautiful spread that you worked hours and hours and hours on, and it takes 4.5 seconds for your son to finish his entire plate. <laughs> that is a true story. And this is what gratitude is. Gratitude is the plate you come to the table with. If you don't have a plate to come to the table with, you're not eating, right? I don't know about you, but in my house, if you didn't have a plate to come to the table with, you better put it in your hands and watch what happens. <laughs> a turkey took five hours. Just kidding. But gratitude is the posture of our heart. Gratitude is the plate we come to the table with to receive more from God. And sometimes we're so busy in our lives and in the day-to-day -day things, criticizing, complaining, 
being down on ourselves, being down on, on what we're going through, that we don't have an opportunity to posture ourselves in a place of gratitude, and then there's no access to the more that God has. God is so faithful, like Sarah was talking about. His faithfulness goes beyond any bit of unfaithfulness we might have. I can't even tell you how many times God has been faithful when I haven't deserved it. Can't even tell you. I could probably count, and then I would be dead because it would take my whole life to express all the gratitude, all of the times that God was faithful. But I believe there's a posture of our heart that positions us to be a conduit of the more that God has. And complaining is not that posture. We tell our kids in our house, um, complaining is demon food. So one time when they were little, um, dad was like, um, what are you doing right now? Complaining. And what is that? Demon food. And then one of the other kids. Children. We love them. But there is a posture of our heart that we come to the table with. Now, I want to read James in the Passion Translation. I love the Passion Translation. Sometimes just, just getting different translations in it just brings life to Scripture. So in James chapter 2, I mean, I think it's James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. In the Passion, it says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, listen to this part. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Wow. What if we stopped looking at 2020 as the year of all the negativity that we could put in there and say, what is the joy? I mean, all of you got me, so that's something. <laughs> and I got all of you in 2020. Isn't that great? We'll never forget this year because it's the year that we met. But do we see things as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that we can? What is our position? What is our posture? Okay, I'm going to keep reading. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up the power within you to endure all things. How do we know what we're capable of unless we go and we try? You know, I tell this to my kids all the time. Anything that's worth doing is hard. You know, um, school is really hard for kids this year, really hard. And I'm, I'm, I'm not this kind of mom, but this is the year I'm, I'm the mom that says, can you just pass? Like uh, kids, teachers, everybody out there, let's just... Grace, 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 grace for the stupidity that is in right now. Yeah. So moms, give yourself a break. Give your kids a break. Give your teachers a break. Give everybody breaks. Give each other breaks. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That's what I'm doing for my kids. I'm like, just, that's it. Just pass. That's it. Drop any classes that don't matter and pass. 
I'm serious. And this is so, I'm not like this as a mom. Ask my kids. Most of the time I'm like, you have how many free classes? Okay, what can you take? Double up on your math. Then you, you, I'm, 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 I'm that kind of mom. But this is the year. It's like, just give yourselves a break. But I tell them all the time, anything that's worth doing is hard. Anything's hard. Um, me and my daughters, well, I decided to download the Peloton app. It's $12 a month and a waste of money. <laughs> um, I just keep telling myself that it's going to produce fruitfulness. <laughs> but well, that means I have to actually do it. So... The other day, we were just a couple days ago, so my favorite class is a bar class, and um, a bar class is like a ballet Pilates class that's supposed to make you long and lean. So not me. So I'm calling those things as not as though they are. But bar is the hardest class you can take, I promise you. You run a mile, and I will do a bar class, and I will work harder than you, promise. So we did a bar class, and my girls are like, what is she doing? I'm like, I know. The only one that could kind of do everything was Hannah because she's a cheerleader, and she's already, like, super flexible. And so the next day we get up, and I'm like, can you guys straighten your legs? They're like, no. <laughs> it hurts to sit on the toilet. Like, anything that's worth doing is hard. And we want to take the hard out of everything because we don't want to work at stuff. Right? It's this easy mentality, just getting through, not having to try. But how many know that sometimes when we go through things, it's what happens on the other side. It's the fire that is produced. It is the refining that happens. It is the fruit that grows in the valley that makes everything worth it. And if it's hard, it's worth it. Okay, back to the scripture. For we know that when our faith is tested, it stirs up the power that's inside of us to endure all things. Because how many know that because of the Holy Spirit, we already have everything we need to get through everything life gives us. And then as, you en as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release protection, I'm, I'm sorry, perfection in every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Do you know that that is a definition of shalom? That is a definition of peace. Nothing missing and nothing lacking. Okay, I'm going to talk about that in a second. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom because he will give it freely. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. Thank you, Jesus. But he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Come on. When I fall, I get back up. There's this um, old Dietrich Haddon song that says, a saint is just a sinner who fell down, but he got back up. It is in the getting up church. It is in the getting up saints where grace sustains you and it pushes you into your purpose. Don't stay down. Get back up. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. 
Being undecided makes you like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute, tossed down the next. See, when you believe who you are and you believe who God says he is, there is no double-mindedness. When you believe who you are and you believe what God says, there is no wavering. You are not going to be tossed by the sea because you know who you are. And it doesn't matter what comes your way. You keep believing. You keep walking. You keep running. You keep living out the life that God has given you. And you say, it doesn't matter what comes my way. I will keep going because I trust in who he is and who he says I am. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? It says when you're half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. I know there's moments we felt unstable as Christians. Wavering, tossed around. But that is not our portion, church. That is not our promise. Our promise is that we have the invaluable opportunities in front of us to receive the greatest joy we can in all things in all things. Now I want to talk about perfecting our peace for a minute. That word um, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Let me tell you this, there could be hell breaking loose around you, but you have the power inside of you to say, I will still walk in peace. I will still walk in victory. I am not a victim to the circumstances around me. I am not a victim to the society around me. I am not a victim to anything that goes on outside of this. But I will protect my peace, my shalom, because in him there is nothing missing and nothing broken. In him, I have perfect peace. Another thing we talk about in our household is um, my kids are not allowed to say, well, they made me. Well, they made me so angry, I couldn't hold my temper. No. You have self-control, and it's a fruit of the Spirit, and the Spirit lives inside of you, so you don't have to respond any certain way. You can respond the way that you, the right way, which sometimes is to walk away, right, when your children, and your brother is mean, right, Sarah? You have the power and authority to protect your peace because we are atmosphere changers and it doesn't matter what is happening in the world. I have the power and authority from heaven to protect my peace. I have the power and authority to protect my peace. People can't make you react. People can do whatever they want, but you have absolute control over how you respond. The world can do whatever it wants, but I have absolute control over how I respond. Count it all joy or react negatively. When we understand who we are, when we know who we are, and there is no doubt in our mind, there is no double-mindedness in us, I don't wave in my identity. See, this is so good. I have to read this. And I can't find it where I wrote it. We are atmosphere changers and kingdom-minded people, right? So if I have a mind of heaven and my job is to change the atmosphere, then I do not conform to what is happening around me. I shift it. 
You know there is scientific evidence that a heart can change the, the um, one heart can affect an entire room? Scientific evidence that if somebody walks into a room and they're, they're uh, depressed or they're anxious, that other people in the room will pick up on it and they will become depressed and anxious too. So if that is a reality, how much more powerful is the other side? Everywhere I go, the Bible says, I possess the land for Jesus, right? So everywhere my foot goes is mine, says the Lord. So instead of allowing myself to conform to this world, I am an atmosphere shifter. And where I go, I change the climate in that environment. You know, we've heard teachings for years and years and years, right? Um, Seven mountains and kingdom. And we hear all of these, like, catchy phrases. But let me just give you the reality. Um, In your home, just bring it back to something very simple. You know, all throughout the scripture, the Bible talks about how it's not okay to tolerate rebellion in your children. Why? Because rebellion is a spirit and it affects the atmosphere of your home and if you are an atmosphere shifter you cannot tolerate what is anti-Jesus and as parents or leaders or influencers we have the ability to tolerate or to not tolerate what is opposed to the father so wherever I go I am an atmosphere shifter so it's easy for me to go into places that might seem dark or might seem like there, you could be fearful because I don't succumb to that. I am an atmosphere shifter. I have the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage you guys in that. Double-mindedness happens when we're not, uns- we're not sure who we are. But when we know who we are, we go into places. We have um, our homes, our situations, our relationships, our marriages, our children, our family. They don't have an option to rob my peace. Because I've not given that authority to anybody but Jesus. Yeah. This is something I I used to tell my mom all the time because she's such a generous-hearted person, so people like to take advantage of that. And um, it's just natural because she's so um, just free with her love. And I I would always tell her, Mom, people will treat you the way you allow them. If you allow people to treat you a certain way, they're going to. Whatever you tolerate dominates. Whatever you give permission to has access. Okay. So um, I want to read this verse because I feel like this is the opposite of being wavering, of being double-minded. And it's in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. And it says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Church, this is our purpose. This is who we're meant to be. That tree planted See, if circumstances come my way, there is no uprooting that can happen. I'm planted. And I'm green all year long. 
we're driving around outside, and Hannah's like, my Hannah, she's like, I feel like there should be stuff on the trees. <laughs> I know, honey, I know. But it will be white soon, so it'll be so pretty, right? <laughs> we're not used to this because um, we're from Las Vegas, and we took Debbie Acorsa with us a, co- uh, a month ago, and she was like, it really just is all dirt everywhere. I'm like, I know, it's the desert. <laughs> There's no trees, cactus, or palm trees that they plant. But that's it. So we don't understand this like seasons of change and there's full like there's full green trees in my backyard and you can't see anything and now all of a sudden they're all bare and I see straight back through. You guys know? Like all of a sudden you see your neighbor's house. You're like, "Oh. That was not there before." <laughs> so I'm learning these things, right? Cuz now I I'm a Rochesterian. I made up that word. Maybe. But this is who we're supposed to be, that tree that's full of life all the time, that's not afraid when the heat comes. Bring on the heat. Let's go. It just makes me more fiery. It just makes me more passionate. See, uh, Chris Valaton said this. It says, the enemy had no idea what he was doing because he has awoken a sleeping church. Sometimes the fire comes because it just needs to light something inside of us because we need to stand up in who we are again. Because we might have forgotten. We might have been rocked to sleep a little bit. We might have just been lulled a little bit. But something happens. Something happens. There's a little fire. And we get a little feisty. And the church rises into glory. Rises. Um, I heard, I don't remember who it was, I think uh, Zach quoted, it was a Kansas City prophet, um, maybe Bob Jones or something like that, and he said that something's going to significantly happen, and you're, we're going to see a pandemic, and then we're going to see the third great awakening. There was a prophecy. I saw it somewhere. I'll have to remember. And then I'll accur- accurately, David Wilkerson, he prophesied a pandemic and then the third great awakening. Isn't that amazing? Come on, church. Come on, church. You can knock us down, but we will get back up. Fighting and fighter uh, and feistier than we ever were. Come. All right. So, being planted, being confident in him, being confident in who he says we are. You know, I'll use this analogy again with my kids, but... I love my children and give them everything I have they have access to, right? Because they're my children. They're Wexlers. Like, they know who they are. And so how would I feel one day if they came home and asked to sleep in their own bed? Like, what are you talking about? Can I sleep in my bed? Where else are you going to sleep? Or if they asked if they could eat dinner with us, do you think I could have some food? What are you talking about? It's all for you. I made it for you. Aren't you hungry? Gosh, cooking all the time. Sometimes we do that with the Lord. We ask for things he's already given us. And he's like, you're, you're my kid. You have access. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're joint heirs with Christ. You sit at the right hand of the Father. Don't you know? 
All I have is yours. So sometimes we don't understand who we are, but the centurion that day, he knew who he was in this story, in the scripture, and he says, all, all I know is that you have the authority to do what you say you will do. And sometimes that's all we have to say. God, all I know, I don't know what's happening around me. I don't know what it's going to look like next year. I don't know when this stupid stuff is going to be gone, but I know that I can trust in you. I know who you are, and I know who you say that I am. And so all of that trumps everything else I see going on around me. And the posture of my heart begins to change. And I trust Papa. I trust him for three things. Number one, I trust him for provision. And I'm closing here. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that all thing, in all things and at all times, in all things and at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I trust his provision in all things at all times. In all things at all times, Papa. In the midst of whatever I feel is the most broken place, I trust your provision. Number two, I trust your protection. This is one of my favorite psalms. It's Psalm 23, 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We could just stop there, hold the phone, go home, drop, drop the mic, walk away. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Everything I need, God, you have provided for. You make me lay down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. Refresh my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear not evil. For you are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, there's that again. You can't have a cup that overflows without a cup that it has something to offer. That's gratitude. Gratitude's the cup. Whatever it is, God, I bring it to you. You overflow it. You fill it up. You make it run. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I trust your provision, Papa. I trust your protection. And I trust that you are my refuge. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He never changes. He's steady. He's not wavering. He's our rock. So, Papa, I trust. I trust your provision, your protection and that you'll always be my refuge. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for your goodness in all things, that you're teaching us to rise up. 
You're teaching us to be who we were created to be. You're teaching us not to waver in our identity or to waver in how we see you, not to be double-minded, but to be steady, to know who we are, to be confident, to trust you, to change the atmosphere of the places we go, to be strong and mighty in the Lord. We're trusting you. We're leaning into you. You will provide. You will protect. And we always have home in your heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.